the nerds take over. Us? Huh? What's up, comic book lovers? Welcome back to Comictating uh, after our week hiatus because it was a skip week. So skip it wasn't, week. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. <laughs> a couple annuals and a book that we're actually going to talk about this week, uh, Ghost Rider number one from Marvel. So not a lot in the last week. Uh, this week sees a number of new releases. A couple of number ones, like we said, we'll talk about one from last week. Mostly Marvel stuff as we get into the, the holiday season. So things are ramping up. People are desperately running around town trying to find... That middle minute gift, because like first minute, which is like October, November. Yeah. Middle minute, beginning of November. And then those people that show up on the 24th, Target, at five minutes before they close, going, I forgot to get something for my wife. Or Amazon.com yes. for all of you smart shoppers out there. Yes. Well, those of us that can find what we need on Amazon. But some of us have other more creative needs. Or uh, Amazon just doesn't have it because um, they're sold out. There's that as well. Yes. But I do appreciate same-day shipping for certain Prime items. Oh, yeah, no, you, you, you Prime guys are insane. It's nuts. I look at that and I'm like, boy, that, that seems like... But I don't order enough from Amazon to really... And I'm not streaming anything at the moment, so yeah. I'm like, mm, Man of the High Castle soon. I have to rethink my strategy. Yeah, they're putting up a lot of uh, a lot of promos for that, so yeah. I'm pretty stoked about it. Cannot wait to see Rufus Sewell continue to be the born... Most, the, the, the most the, evil man. Yeah, the, the part he was born to play, which is... Modern day Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> he is very good as a American Nazi in New York City. Uh, brilliant acting. And then the two, I was the, the two guys in, in the Pacific there. The inspector and the ambassador. Inspector Ito and inspector the ambassador Ito. who oh. uh, was Shang Tsung in the first Mortal Kombat movie. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah. Wow. That's a change. Uh, but he's, yeah, they're both really. That was really one of those films like. One of those, uh, I think we've, we've talked about this on the on the Nerdables uh, mothership, I guess, uh, where something like Game of Thrones that I watched the first season and I was still sort of like, it's good, but I'm sort of like, can we do something? Can we? Eh. Whereas watching Man of the High Castle, I mean, it's not as much plot moving forward in terms of action or what have you is not uh, paramount in a few episodes, but just to watch these characters, these actors playing these characters, I'm so mesmerized that yes, I don't care. Absolutely. Like. Uh, Inspector Ito can be in a room speaking with another person and I'll watch it twice. Right. They're just so good. It's 20 minutes. I don't care. I'm like, he is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, And not just, I mean, a lot of that also is the writing and the directing and lighting and everything that it makes something that's compelling while really nothing's going on. Oh, yeah. It's just dialogue. It's just character mannerisms and stuff like that. It's absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. That first season has like maybe three or four filler episodes, but. Even though they're filler, it's so it does, well Yeah, it doesn't acted. feel like filler. Yeah, it's, it's something where, in watching the first season of Game of Thrones, I'm like, okay, they're just trying to get around the fact that they don't have enough money to show you know, right. 800 people fight each other with swords. You know, every, everything was, okay, so that was the battle. What? No, no, I didn't see any battle. They're just no, standing yeah, there talking uh, around. Like, what's going on? Uh, uh, Tyrion Lannister just gets knocked out in the middle of the battle. Yeah. And then he wakes up for it to be over. And I remember going, wait, what? Where's the battle? You're yeah. HBO. That person was like, oh, okay. Um, so Rob Stark just had a battle with Lannisters, and we didn't see a single second of it. It's Don't just, worry, boys. Yeah. The dragons are coming. The dragons are coming. They're coming. I swear. Yeah, Let's that, get a pizza. Oh, God. The other Amazon show I'm actually really excited for is The Tick. 
the tick is coming back and that's uh, going yeah. through. Be interesting because I'm one of those people that the live action never really did anything for me. Okay. I was such a uh, a devoted fan of the cartoon that the live action was not. I'm sure it was fine, but I kind of watched it like, eh, I prefer the cartoon. The cartoon yeah, is I, so I totally understand that. balls to the wall amazing. Oh, yeah, they were vastly different shows. Yeah, and the, the it seemed to have more to do with the, the tropes of of superhero comics and, and comics in general uh, in the cartoon. There's such some great pieces in there. Obviously, so many of them are, are archetypes off, yeah. based off of other characters. I'll still remember... When uh, Die Feldermaus, which was named Batman, well in the in the live action version, but Die Feldermaus has um, a pool boy. Is this the little kid in a waiting yes, pool? Yeah. And they're going through the sewer with sea urchin, and he's the, this boy's just complaining. You said I'd meet the. You told my mom I'd meet the tick. I told your mom a lot of things. I'm like, this is a kids show. Like, what? The <laughs> just the way he says it. I told your mom a lot of things. That's what's actually going to be interesting to see, because uh, I know when they were doing the original Fox television show, they sort of wanted to, like, streamline the naming of characters and stuff. Yeah. And the show only went, like, 11 episodes total. Yeah. But for the new show, it's still Ben Ungland, but it's also Patrick Warburton is producing. Yeah. And uh, he made the announcement that he would be playing <coughs> a Punisher-esque character for the new season. There's a there's a Punisher character in The Tick, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, and I think I he's... I, th- I don't know if they're going to be... I don't know if they're going to be doing the, that exact character, but he did say that his character in the show would be that type. the type uh, of character like the Punisher. And I'm very intrigued because the it's still got uh, it's still it has closer to the humor of the comics, the very dark toned humor. Mm-hmm. But the look uh, the look is very much challenging the you know, like the DC movies being very dark, being very washed out. <laughs> and it's the first episode wasn't perfect, but it was enough to to make me vote to see more. And oh, I, I didn't realize they had already released that yet. Yeah, yeah, the pilot is up. Uh, it's uh, the actor, and uh, his name escapes me, but he played the Nova Corps member who exploded in Guardians of the Galaxy. The what a bunch of a holes guy. Ah, so oh goodness. So he's not working for Marvel anymore. He's now working on the Tick, and he's actually really good as the Tick. I was very that's afraid cool. that yeah, that's tough. That's a tough part. Yeah, I was very afraid that he wouldn't I mean, match either the... Patrick Warburton yeah. or match the animated series. But he he's got the voice, and I think he's got that sarcasm down. Yeah, because so. uh, Patrick Warburton was a little different than than, than the voice and the um, and the characterism of the the animated series, but still in that same kind of feel and tone. But obviously, yeah, it was a little, it was a little darker tone in the live yeah. action than it was in the cartoon. Yeah, and this looks like it's directly parroting a little bit of uh, sort of the Dark Knight, uh, the Batman v Superman hmm. style. Uh, I'll so find that at some point. Check that out. Yeah, yeah, they've got the the pilot up. The other pilots that they did, uh, the uh, John Claude Van Johnson's pretty good, and uh, the Kevin Bacon Everybody Loves Dick, and I think all three shows got picked up. Instead of the usual one, well, they're just desperate for on. content now. Yeah, they are. But is this Jean Claude Van Johnson? Yeah. So, did you ever watch a movie called uh, JCVD? Where it's I've heard of it. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a drama movie uh, with a little bit of humor, but it's Jean Claude Van Damme, and he's supposed to be the washed up actor. Yeah. He's in the middle of a robbery, but he imagines saving the day like he would in a classic Jean Claude Van Damme movie. But it's actually you know kind of heartwarming because they do. It's very meta. And the show kind of has that same kind Interesting. of of humor of like, oh, it's John Claude Van Damme, but it's not really John Claude Van Damme and parodies of his movies. So Amazon, uh, for me, knocked it out with all three of those. So I'm kind of happy. But the Tick, 
I'm excited for. And we've got one book that uh, sort of cut from the same cloth as things like The Tick and the Mask. Yeah, uh, we do. And that's actually the second book that we'll get to. Um, so we're going to do a lot of Marvel, but we're going to start with an image book. Uh, we're going to start with Motor Crush. Brandon Fletcher, uh, Cameron Stewart, and Babs Tarr. This is the team that worked on Batgirl with Burnside. This is their creator-owned book. It is a uh, racing book, a motorcycle racing book. I'm assuming the near future. I mean, it's it's a little more advanced than than what we've got now to a certain degree. We've got some cities that we've never heard of. It's a World Grand Prix motorcycle racing. Uh, we're introduced to our, our main character. Uh, it's a fairly brutal sport. Um, we have, um, all of a sudden, I have just completely forgot her name. There it was Domino Swift. There we go. Uh, she is the daughter of an old racing legend who has lost part of his leg. He's not racing anymore. He's a mechanic. And um, but yeah, she little hint like when you look at his leg, it actually yeah. looks like uh, like an old gear shifter from a from an older car. Like, yeah, either that or it's a kickstand too. Or a kickstand yeah, for, like kick for a bike. It, uh, lots of little fun details. Yeah, there's little there pieces there. that that are in it. Um, but she's also part of an underground racing circuit, uh, street racing that's out there because she is looking for a drug called crush um that's an, a performance enhancing drug among other things so she's caught up through this and everything goes wrong very very quickly uh for me someone who followed the batgirl of burnside um enjoyed it at the start thought it kind of lost its way through there Babstar's art. Um, That's that. Babstar's art is always a winner for me. No matter yeah, what. Babstar's art. Is, and Cameron Stewart has always been um, a big part of her heart, uh, helping her with breakdowns and stuff like that. He was doing the breakdowns for Batgirl, and Babs was finishing it through. So this is a book I kind of came to with a little kind of odd trepidation. Read it and actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I know I say that a lot here, but maybe it's just I don't have high expectations for for a lot of these books and get through and go, hey, that's actually pretty good. Um, it's it's got that 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 crime noir crazy in over her head trying to to fix things there's a major he's got a drug plot drug yeah uh, drug, drug plot, plot it's got to... the 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 um, action sequences are done well through the bike in the underground race everybody has a weapon that they can use and a muppet and a muppet, muppet yeah there's one guy with a muppet helmet in there and uh they give you a lot of info through it's kind of set up i'm trying to think of it there's another book that had done this but an idea that you're almost looking through a vr type glasses something like um the the the, the jump pieces in starship troopers yes, where yeah. it's you know press here for more yeah um info that's all over your screen which of course that's what we're dealing yeah, with it's now. like the augmented reality yeah so we've got world grand prix it's got the info pop that tells you the time the the countdown to the race the weather touch here for uh, updates she's getting interviewed by this little cat ball thing um that's transmitting everything in real time. They show you all the races, right. win probability, the racer, excuse me, the racers and head to head and stuff like that. Yeah, very much if you're watching like football today. Yeah, you same know. idea. It's very interesting because I read that um, last uh, the last Sports Illustrated's cover story was about how we consume football um, in terms of media and, and the changes that are that are coming and the way that people now are watching football on smaller screens and they're not watching the whole game because you have a three-hour game that has less than 11 minutes of actual action. Right. I remember reading you that never, statistic once. It is, it, if, if you count the the moment that a ball leaves the pitcher's hand to whenever the, it's a dead ball, baseball actually has more active in-game movement in a three-hour period than football does. Football has less than 11 minutes and right. baseball somewhere like in the 30 range. Because every pitch, even if it's only 30 seconds, that's considered an active moment of the game. Right. 
the ball's not dead until it goes back to the pitcher. Yeah. So the pitch into the catcher's glove, catcher throws it back. And when it gets back to the pitcher, it's a dead ball. You can't advance or do anything else. Um, so, yeah, 11 minutes of action for a three-hour game. People started to figure that out. This is why I don't watch as much football anymore, and I watch hockey a lot. Now that they've added replays and stuff that's right. taking a long time, challenges, all that type of stuff. But anyway, um, what we're starting to see in terms of our coverage of sports on a, on a general is tickers and touches and things that uh, you know will tell you right on the screen to go to a website right, right away. Right. Uh, there's um, the Washington Capitals and the NHL. Their broadcasts in stadium – you can take your phone, and they have a specific camera that'll follow a star player. In this case, Alexander Ovechkin. On your phone, you can watch his shift as, as the camera follows him. You're in the stadium watching the game, but you can also look and see when he's on the ice. Interesting. And getting sets like that. That's yeah, actually but, really, really cool. Well, Ted Leonosis is a big um, – he's a part of the Verizon uh, group. Excuse me. Um, so he's he's always been very tech-savvy of putting these type of things when they re uh, the new arena that they were in they moved into a couple of years ago this was his big thing to have a lot of this kind of interactivity that while you're there you can interact with the game you can get updates as you're sitting there ice time uh shots on goal all this type of stuff these these advanced analytics that gms use that also fantasy players players use um is all stuff that you're getting in real time as you're watching the game we have a lot of that here in the comic um Interesting character, not someone who may be someone that you're really liking, which I kind of like. Sure, sure. She's um, not a character that, that it feels like you're supposed yeah, to like her right there's off some, the bat. There's some, there's some ambiguity to to her. Um, really, it's got it's it's. I I enjoyed it. Was it. Solid. Like I said, yeah, it was a, it was a solid book. It was a solid start. And I gotta say, no, there was a a story running around a couple weeks ago that the numbers, the orders for Motor Crush were down. Someone um, on a certain site that uh, is known for kind of coming up with their own stuff said that this book was underordered because the main character is an African-American female and then immediately took that down because there wasn't a single, single, single person on the entire planet in a comic shop that would back that up. Like I was never I was never asked about that saying that he had interviewed numerous comic shop owners who refused to buy the book because their fans would never buy a book that stars an African-American female. Clickbait Complete crap. on the internet, Chris? Yeah, completely weird. Um, the, the the fact that as you go through the book, race has nothing to do with it. I mean, no, it doesn't matter. No. Uh, it's just that's the, the, you know, in almost a way, that's the aesthetic that they chose in terms of a design sense to give her, um, you know, that, that, that nice color, uh, it takes place. I mean, it looks most of it looks like it's in. They call it what is it? No, Nova Honda. Yeah, it kind of felt like you know Maybe, Caribbean. Yeah, or uh, I mean, north northern part of South America. Yeah. Could even <clears throat> be someplace like Long Beach here. Or Malibu. Yeah, you put those pieces together, and there's a lot of variety in it. There's a lot of yeah, you know, different types of looked people. You know, it's it's very much a a now book. The world is very much fictionalized. There, you know, yeah, the, but it's like a piece plus. Yes. you know, uh, as they're running through this. Uh, um, uh, a shopping district here. It looks a lot like Miami. You know, it looks or like South Santa Beach Monica or right yeah, here. Rio de Janeiro. If you've watched the, watched the Olympics over the summer, it's got some pieces from there. So, um, actually, really good book. It's uh, generic and it's not generic. It's generic yeah. in that like the like there's a lot of recognizability in the locales, but it's not generic in that they're used in very very interesting ways. It's a quasi future world, if you will, because yeah, the the drug itself is the the crush is the name of the drug. It's like a crystal future-based kind of drug and 
the again hover tech drones that fly around yeah. and do interviews with players. Yeah, it's, so, it's one of those near future, yeah, not too distant sort of future, pieces. very interesting. In time I like it. not I like so it. far away. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, um, solid it's, book. Yeah, it's a solid book. It's a solid start. Uh, I think it's got enough intrigue and action in it that it right. makes you want to keep going. Um, as you're trying to figure out how she's going to dig herself out of this hole that she's yeah. dug, or get out of the hole she's dug herself into. So, so let's get into the Marvel part. We're going to start with the book that uh, Sebastian sort of referenced earlier, and that is Slapstick Number One. Um, one of those books that uh, <laughs> it gets announced, and everyone kind of goes, "Wait, what?" You, what? You're but doing... So Slapstick is a character he's from the '90s. Uh, but in uh, interesting enough, the the reason why I brought up stuff like the tick and the mask is that it's very much in uh, cut from the same cloth. The mask is uh, from 1987. We had a conversation before, uh, and the tick is also from uh, that that time period, late 80s, early 90s, where that Tex Avery, the Chuck Jones cartoon characters were sort of hyper yeah, hyper cartoon. Even they were turned so. up to 11. Uh, itchy Roger Rabbit plus, yeah, yeah Roger Rabbit plus, where was, violence was is than grisly. That, but yeah. You know, but what, it's also played for so much humor. Right. You know, um, you can't just hit a man in the head with a giant mallet and not expect his head to pop kind of stuff. You know, uh, he gets shot with bullets and they get sucked in, but then they fly yeah. back out. Yeah, it's definitely a mask type character. Um, credits uh, Riley Brown, Fred Van Lente, or the writers. Fred Van Lente is uh, one of the guys I really like a lot. He's also a very big comic historian, uh, which really helps. Riley Brown does. is the storyboards. Diego Olartegway? O L O R T E G U I. Olo Tegui? Looks like what it is. Yeah, I'll go I'll go with that one. Apologize. Uh, yeah. apologies from the both of us, Diego. Yes. I'm sure he's listening. Uh so we have Slapstick who breaks up a um uh, an arms di- an arms shipment uh, smugglers and uh very quickly turns super super violent. Yes. He kills these guys. He takes a mallet. Uh, think of um, think of Harley Quinn's mallet. I mean, this giant mallet yeah. that just pops out of the middle of nowhere. Hits a guy in the face. His teeth are embedded into the mallet, and he flings the mallet in order to throw those teeth and um, into people's eye sockets. Their teeth gave their eye sockets cavities. Oh, it was just. Oh yeah. I found myself chuckling despite myself. Really opening the book, going, "This is gonna be so dumb." But uh, you know, one of the characters in this doc that he's attacking clowns. I hate clowns. Mommy only never dated clowns. Uh, Oh God, the pain. Why didn't I stay in school? I mean, he's just, there's some like crazy pieces on my organs. Um, And then he's at home. He's a teenager in a family environment who is trying to, I mean, it's it's so, yeah. Frightening cartoon character. It's so absurd. Um, and so he's taking on mercenary missions. He's pretending he's actually taking the missions that are being uh, put for uh, for Deadpool on Mirk instead of Uber. Uh, the Uber for Mercs as you take missions from it. So he's going to stop another piece. And Spider-Man shows up. Um, and just this this team that comes in. And he ends up like killing all these guys. And Spider-Man's like, you can't do this. And it's just it's bizarre. so but good bizarre, bizarre. In, a, in a good way. Like, I was really surprised by how much I really laughed at it. And then it gets super meta, meta with the comic book that looks exactly like the 90s comic book his friend is drawing. Yes. Um, but he doesn't want to put it out. And He-Man essentially shows up. Yeah, and then Conan, Conan or Thundar type of person, and, and there's a mascot battle that doesn't happen very quickly or happen, ends very quickly. Just a, a book that, again... Not something I think a lot of people would see on that shelf and go, "Oh yeah, I want to oh, yeah, try I need that." To read. Yeah, I need to read it. Yeah. But if you like, if you liked the mask, if you liked the tick, 
uh, itchy. It's got you know itchy and scratchy. Sort of has that yeah. same kind of humor from The Simpsons. It's definitely a lot of a lot of feeling in inside of it. Um, as a side note, but the Transformers uh, Revolution one shot came out this week, and it's Nick Roche and um, oh goodness, all of a sudden I forget I forgot the other gentleman's name. I didn't realize that Nick Roche was writing Transformers as a comedy to a certain degree. It's this group of, of Decepticons called the Scavengers, and they're like the lowest cast. And there's a character that is trying to achieve brand awareness. Oh, good. Do Using the crossover. Because Revolution is bringing all the IDW properties together in this sort of crossover. It is hyper-aware. It's stupidly funny in good. a great way. I was, I was shy. I read two pages in it, put it down, and bought it. You know, and I can read it here if I really want to. But I was like, I, I want to have this in my collection. I want to have this home. That same type of idea in Slapstick, where it's a lot of making fun of the old way that Slapstick was, the kind of comic book that it was, where it would be like super violent, but nothing bad would happen. Where here, the super violence is, I mean, he's oh, killing yeah. these guys. Oh, yeah. No, he, and he's in Spider-Man is horrified sure. by watching these characters. He's like, oh, you can't just kill them. He's like, what are you, five? What's going on here? You don't need anyone. We're going to kill them. They're just mercenaries. They're just the guys who are here to steal stuff. Um, oh yeah, it's a, like in the like one of the opening salvos, like, very much like the mask. He takes machine gunning to the to the abdomen, and then yeah. he sucks all the bullets into his body, and then fires them back out like a machine gun, and just wipes out a whole bunch of people. Yeah, a whole bunch of people. And it's their organs. Again, it's the, it's, it's got the the the, the obligatory, you know flamethrower out of the uh, behind. It's just you know, <laughs> crime is the disease. I am the ointment that makes the redness and swelling go down. For external use only. Do not take orally. Not get nice. Keep away from children. I mean, just messing these people up. This was, this was borderline hilarious. Um, definitely chuckle worthy throughout, if not laugh out loud in some places as well. So slapstick number one. Yeah, flip through it. Give the it, surpri- check yeah, it the out. surprise book. Uh, next book on the list: Nova number one. Uh, Nova has gone through many changes uh, for a while. Uh, the Annihilation crossover many years ago, the Nova Corps was wiped out. The single Nova that was left ended up being um, Sam, this yep. younger kid from Arizona, uh, Sam Alexander, who's been uh, he's had his own book. He's been a part of the Avengers for a little while. He's now a part of the Champions. And the last Nova before Sam was Richard Ryder. Uh, Richard Ryder was the Nova that we were following in the Nova Corps for many, many years. When Annihilation happens, the Nova Corps dies. Richard uh, is by himself for a while, and then um, Thanos kills him in the Cancerverse, which is the ultimate dimension that Captain Marvel uh, ends up dying from, I believe, in the same spot. Yes, yeah. Uh, so Richard Ryder's been gone for a long time. In the end of the last series, he comes back. And so now we're in with Richard Ryder coming back. Yeah, he's visiting his something, mom. He's visiting his mom. Something else is going on. Sam is trying to get to high school. There's a brilliant sequence with Ego that I'm going to talk about. Again, a book that was just his points with Ego were fantastic. Oh, yeah. Just cute, you know, cool lines, quick, fun stuff. Why he do you need my school. help? Nobody else can't. Yeah, nobody else goes, well, help. that's why nobody likes you. Keeps calling him Goatee, you know, Goatee Planet. And then the kind of, I don't want to say standard high school stuff, but him in high school. Um, he ends up going back and he's not fully clothed because yeah, he, forgot he, wear, he forgot to wear stuff under his, his Nova, under yeah. his Nova costume. Under his Nova costume, and then gets a, a an alert that there's another Nova and goes from there. As Richard Ryder is uh, here in the last part of the book, and again, I don't want to give away the last part through. But um, as someone who's kind of in and out with Nova, I've been reading Champions. I read his Avengers run. I like Sam. I like Sam a lot, and a big part of 
Sam's run in Avengers is that his father is still out there somewhere. His father was a member of the Nova Corps. Right. He left his helmet to him. His father's supposedly still out in space somewhere. He doesn't know whether he's alive or dead. And a part of the Avengers book was looking for him. And here, he, every time he gets something that he thinks is a Nova, then he's going to think it's his father. So right. he's he's got a ping uh, on, on a locator and thinks it might be his father is going. And it's probably going to be Richard Ryder. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed the book, I, a, lot. I the book a, lot. a lot. It had good, fun sensibilities to it. Is... And just so for the uh, readers who are not initiated, the Nova Corps is very much like the Green Lanterns for the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and they get wiped out all the time because they get wiped out in Guardians of the Galaxy, too. Um, Jeff Loveness and Ramon Perez are listed as the writers. Ramon Perez is the artist he's been doing. I believe he did the last book as well. So someone who has a really good handle on uh, Nova Again, I mean, it's hard to find books that have art that you just like, oh, this is terrible. Um, good pieces. The kids look good. The sense of movement is good. I like the town that he's in. You know, it's Christmas time is here or getting close to Christmas time. So it's set kind of now. Ego looks like a lot of fun. Good panel work. Good, you know, got some classic panel work. Got some splash page work that's all over the place. So, again, another good book. Another start. Nova is a good book as well. Um, there's a lot of these kind of little books that, that Marvel's put out that um, uh, are really solid. I mean, they're books that that if you're looking for uh, something that um, might be a little different, uh, a character you may not have followed before, uh, something that's easy enough to get into an intriguing story. So far, we we've got that. Uh, last week's pick, or last week's pick, last week's book we didn't cover last week. This week is Robbie Ray's return as Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of buzz, a lot of heat, because <laughs> his skull's on fire. Uh, lately, as Robbie Reyes and Ghost Rider have shown up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV series. So they've started a new book with Robbie Reyes. Um, Robbie here in California. Yep, right here in California. Robbie's always been an interesting character because uh, he has a car instead of a motorcycle. Um, he has a... It's the spirit of his uncle. Yeah, it's the spirit of his uncle. But his uh, little brother is a special needs uh, child that he's taking care of. And he's just an all-around stand-up, really good guy who also happens to be uh, a demon from hell sometimes. Right, right. So a basic story is that, you know, to help take care of his little brother, he gets into uh, some seediness uh, and is killed and is brought back to life by his uncle, who is assisting him as his spirit of vengeance, and thus he becomes the Ghost Rider. We also have cameos from uh, the Totally Awesome Hulk. Yeah, the Totally Awesome Hulk, and then um, uh, the one later. Laura Kinney. Actually, yeah, Laura uh, uh, The new Wolverine, but uh, yeah. X-23, for those of you who uh, aren't keeping up too much. But yeah, X-23 is currently Wolverine in the book. Well, we have a new character, new series. We have a new, yeah. we have a new villain so, yeah, in the so book who is the hilarious. End. Yeah, uh, this is, I believe this is Trad Moore, because Trad did the last series and we'll get to the end of this because the credits are yeah we're flipping, we're flipping through because there's ah, so much in this book because there's a little backup story in yeah, the back. backup story that i believe is the tradmore who did uh, yeah piston nitro strikes is the backup story felipe smith does the writing felipe smith wrote the regular book as well dan uh danilo s bayruth does the art for the main story and then tradmore of luther strode fame uh, among other things, does the backup, backup art. and it's hilarious. Yeah, and Tradmore did the last series. He started the yes, all-new Ghost yes. Rider as well. Um, Legend of Luther Strode also yeah. is a book that uh, you should go check out. Yeah, Legend of Luther Strode is one of the, I think it was one of Robert's favorites too. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's, uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I, I, they, they're setting this up very simply. They're introducing you to the character of, of Robbie very well for somebody who doesn't know a lot about Ghost Rider or only knows of, uh, you know, the classic 
versions of Ghost Rider. There have been many Ghost Riders in the Marvel Universe. So this is... Johnny Blaze, Yeah, Danny Johnny Blaze is the fame one. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was always Danny Catch. Yes, Danny Catch. was when the I was, when I was reading When I was reading books, that was it, was Danny Catch. Um, but I think it's in Big and a couple other... In Big and? Wow, I'm watching The Simpsons. It's a perfectly cromulent word. It's a perfectly cromulent word. Uh, and Big and other people as well. Yeah, um, Old West Ghost Rider, they've yeah, done stuff with. They've done stuff with. The, kind of the base of the book would always be around is Ray's relationship with his little brother, which is done really well. Um, his little brother is is very endearing, uh, without right. being condescending, I guess, to to a character that would have that kind of. Special I would need. I would agree with that. He has special needs, but they they're not writing him to be overly yeah. Special, it's not know. it's not an offensive type of thing. It feels like someone that maybe it is someone who is has dealt with uh, special needs children, so they kind of know that language, know the relationships in it, and also just a way that it's not. You know, you, you look at it, and, and, and for so long you would get it where you would just look at it and go, God, that's offensive. Like, that can't be right. It's just he's dumb. He's, he's to use what's now an offensive word, he's retarded. That's not here. It's someone who's an interesting character in his own right. Yeah. His relationship with Robbie is is strong. Uh, we get Amadeus Cho as the totally awesome Hulk and this kind of creature in. Yeah, there's here a, that, there, um, which is really where the plot thickens because Amadeus Cho, with a team of scientists, is encountering a new kind of uh, a new kind of uh, element uh, and just so happens that's where we get our monster from and thus the story begins we also get our introduction uh, to uh x23 uh slash wolverine and that is where the story is really going but there's also a great moment to introduce robbie's powers uh him and his little brother are driving down the street and uh there's some vatos blocking the road and of course what happens is is uh, you know robbie's like no just let it go uh, meanwhile, his uncle is telling us, like, hey, no, we got to finish this. We can't let these guys control us. But then we get that nice, you know, several hours later, Robbie tracks yeah. him down, becomes the Ghost Rider, and you get to sort of see how his powers work. Yeah, and obviously the, uh, the, the, the uncle wants him to get rid of the kid, you know, just to become Ghost Rider full time. So, But the real meat of it is the relationships that your characters have, and I think they nail that in here. Um, the art's really good. Uh, it's got a very kinetic feel to it. Uh, especially the backup, Tradmore's art is very different than pretty much anyone that's out there. Really, oh, yeah. um, it's got a it's got a strangely cartoony art style, but it's yeah. very angular. It's not very soft. It's weird. It's very. It is odd. The first time I saw it, I'm like, I'm not exactly sure I like this. Kind of reminded um, me of uh, Samurai Shampoo a little bit. Yeah, he did the um, he did the cover art for Secret the Secret Avengers run, the last Secret Avengers run that they had with Modok and everything. I just remember those covers being kind of wild because they're so different. His his sense of anatomy is so different. Um, the, the female character that you see, I mean, she's got these huge, long, long legs, and she's ripped, and she's got these big arms, and kind of, and her shoulders are, like, almost a straight line. Um, so there's a lot of exaggeration in it. Uh, yeah, that, he tends to hyper-exaggerate. Yeah. Uh, facial expressions are very, very exaggerated. They yeah. give them a lot of good life and animation yeah, to them. Yeah, he's got big, big, crazy... That, yeah, but that, that, that backup story was hilarious. It basically revolves around, like, this fitness model who really wants his car... Yeah. You know, it has ulterior motives to get them. But then the battle ensues, and they actually enjoy their company. So they start following yeah, each other on crazy. Instagram. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, and it really it shows his relationship with the car, too, and the fact that he can kind of move through and around the car. Right. Um, it's, it's a part of him spirit. as it's much as him, yeah. Johnny Blaze's motorcycle was a living sort so, of piece of him as well. That's the new Ghost Rider. 
And finally, this week, we have Star Wars Dr. Aphra number one. This comes straight out of Darth Vader 25, which was the end of that ongoing series. Kieran Gillen, who wrote Darth Vader, is doing this book. Kev Walker is doing the art. And Salvador La Roca, who did the art for Darth Vader, has the backup story in this. Dr. Aphra is really, um, I think, the character with her kind of uh, menagerie with Triple Zero in BT-1. <laughs> The homicidal maniac droids who want nothing more than to just kill and maim and destroy. Um, and also has a black Kersantum. Kersantum. I can never remember his name exactly. What was it? The Wookiee. Kers- yeah, Kersantan. That's what it is. Because I want to call him Kersatan. Or Chrysanthemum. Yeah, Chrysanthemum. And, and so that, so those characters out of, out of Vader were the ones that kind of took hold. They are a very important part of the entire Vader book. Uh, and so we're continuing with those characters in the Star Wars universe. I love Kev Walker. Um, I've been following him since he did Thunderbolts. He did a run after, um, uh, oh, goodness gracious, that, that terrible fear itself. Really, really great stuff. Um, Beautiful artwork. Yeah, every, everything, basically for Thunderbolts, everything after Civil War was awesome. Warren Ellis was writing it for a while, and then a couple other writers took over, and it's just, it's a brilliant, brilliant book. It's good to see him do this. He did uh, Avengers Arena as well. Yes, that um, was a really, really good book. So yeah, a guy who who is different enough from Salvador to give you a different feel. You know it's a different book, uh, but also someone who's got a really good sensibility. I love his design work. Uh, his ships look awesome. Yeah, nothing this, feels which... out of place. No. And that's, uh, for me, uh, The usually my big concern with a lot of uh, Star Wars books is sometimes... They don't look like they're a part of the universe. Yeah, where somebody brings that, in their own like heavy yeah. sensibilities. You'll get something book. where I mean, because Star Wars is a sci-fi that's also a different kind of sci-fi. It's 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 a weird way to say. It. I've always said it's it's science fantasy more than science yeah. fiction, uh, because there are a lot of mystic elements to it, and there's a certain design sense to some of the things that are there that you either get it or you don't. Um, when John Nadal was doing X-wing Rogue Squadron for Dark Horse and. You, you looked at it and you said, this guy gets Star Wars. Yeah. His tech was brilliant. It's very junky tech. Yeah, and his his tech work was brilliant. The X-Wings were X-Wings, the Blasters were Blasters, and you could really see every piece fitting. And then the characters looked fantastic as well. Here, I mean, Dr. Aphra is, is a human female. It's an easy design. All this stuff was designed beforehand. But we get characters like these two kind of hulking, white, thing, abominable, yeah, snowman abominable snowman type things. With all, I mean, it's like a Wookiee that got really, really fat. Um, right, and, and I believe they're in the they're yeah they're in Rogue the Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One movie. There's a toy of them, uh, or at least something similar. They look great. The thug that comes to her, she's she's deep in debt to a lot of different people, and so the the story is really how she's trying to get out of this. Um, Black Chrysanthemum is a uh, a dark haired Wookiee bounty hunter that we met in the Darth Vader series that has attached himself to her because she owes him a bunch of money as well. Yep, uh, and so he's protecting her as an asset to try and get through um i try and get his 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 money back, yeah his money back his credits back the background work looks great her ship looks fantastic the world that you're looking at if you've been watching the rebels tv series it's a very world that kind of looks like lethal uh where ezra's from where the, the series starts it's got grasslands it's got uh, creatures through it small dwellings very desolate planets yeah and and it just it looks really good um there's a nice you know fight sequence in the middle of this that's done really well I love Dr. Aphra. These two droids are amazing. Oh, my gosh. The ending. Yeah. Uh, the, not to give too much of the ending away, but... Uh, it, really don't give any of the ending you, you away, get, but yeah. You, you get to see the, just, just really, the really evil really... protocol droid finally off someone. Yeah. 
and his little partner well, you get pieces BT, of that in, in Darth Vader. Yes, too. you do. Uh, but for for newcomers, BT then yeah. suggests to set the body on fire. Yeah. And he's like, No, no, we can't do that. Then it won't look like an accident. Yeah. And then there's a cool twist at the end that leads that once you pick up the next one, uh, the back issue, the back story. I'm sorry. The back up story is a, a back story. This is Afra in school as she's, as she's space college, space college, going after her doctorate, a professor that doesn't like her, and shows the fact that Afra is as a main character, uh, much like our our Domino in the first book in the um, the Motor Crush, morally ambiguous at sure, best. Sure. Uh, she chaotic is no hero. Yes, chaotic good or chaotic neutral for chaotic you, uh... neutral would probably be the biggest the biggest piece. Um, she's not a very nice person. She will manipulate anything that she can in order to get what she wants. But the interesting thing is to follow her story. Um, we followed it through Vader as we've seen her grow and change and that sense of self-survival. Uh, as a Star Wars fan, I've loved everything that Marvel's done. Uh, there's some really, really great stuff. The Lando miniseries, the, the Kanan um, Maxi series, Darth Vader. Star Wars was good. Princess Leia was good. The Chewbacca mini was good. And again, you've got really great creators who are willing to work on Marvel comics and boom, you have Dr. Right. Afra. The first book that is, uh, that doesn't have the name just star Wars on it and doesn't have a character that you already know. So it's a right. big book in terms of if this can take off and you can much like what dark horse did in terms of finding characters that people will enjoy that are not movie legacy characters and tell new stories with them. Yes. And the sense of something like, especially where this is set, because it's set between four and five. You're reading a Vader book. You know Vader's not going to lose. Right. Uh, you're reading Star Wars with Han and Luke. You know, they're, they're, they're going to survive. Yeah. Uh, Luke dies in issue 25. Um, I don't think how that's... How does that happen? I'm, he's got to go to Hoth. Uh, how many clones are there? Uh, so the great thing with this is to me much like the movie that's coming out in two weeks in Rogue One, is moving forward with characters that are not attached to other pieces. Right. Their fates and the fates of the people around them are up for grabs. Uh, the Wookiee bounty hunter in this, who knows what his fate is? Sure. We sure. don't because we've never seen him again. When, he, when he's first introduced in Darth Vader, uh, he's with Boba Fett. We know Boba Fett survives through this piece because he has to show up on Bespin. Uh, he has to show up on the Star Destroyer Bridge. Black Crescenton, we don't know what's going to happen right. to him. Dr. African turn on him. He could die trying to save her. The droids could turn on him. Sure. Uh, he, could, he could part ways and then yeah. get his own miniseries. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen to yeah. him. The droids are, are the droids are up for grabs. Any of the characters that are introduced in this series uh, that are not tied into right. pre-existing. They're, they're so tertiary that they're that mm -hmm. they are blank canvases but it for still the feels important to do. yes that's yes. that's a, that's the thing this is what we're gonna find out with rogue one as a movie um that i'm still stupid excited for it's I mean, a well just... kathleen kennedy said it herself that the 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 future of star wars they don't want to rely on they the can't. skywalker legacy they can't. They, and yes they can't they've got to i mean that's a, it almost feels like it's a total tangent if Rogue One does really well, then it almost feels like Han Solo is a step backwards because you're making a film sure. that is starring that, you know, is starring a, a character uh, or, or the subject of a character that we already know. Whose fate. We we, yeah. we know the fate of that so, character. The, the fun thing going into Rogue One is wondering, I mean, they can ostensibly off the main character at the end and you're going, sure, okay. Because where she, she doesn't show up again. Rebel Not, Alliance gets the Death Star plans, you say? That's so, so. I think I said it on last week's or the week before. Spoilers. Uh, the week before. The Death Star um, blows up at the end of A New Hope. Uh, the the 
our, our parent podcast where I said, it'd be funny if the ending is like, they don't get the, the plants. It's like, you got the plants. Oh, I lost them. Uh, uh, Vader took them back. And Rogue then there's two, a Rogue yeah. 2 gets the I do like, have you seen the, have you seen the, the, um, the leaked poster for the Rogue One sequel? No. It's A New Hope. Oh, <laughs> I like that. It says, I like that. Rogue 2 released May 25th, 1977. Uh, that kind of reminds me cool of, uh, God, was it like, was something like Access Hollywood? Somebody put up a Rogue One poster on uh, for their for their news segment about the movie, but they used uh, an internet joke poster where all the characters were Jar Jar Binks. Oh yes, and they. What was the one? Oh goodness, was it? There was something like that where they used a poster. I want to say it was Thor: Dark World, where some it was them holding. Site, yes, there was a Chinese movie poster where it was. And it was wasn't it Loki and Thor like holding like, yeah, hands? It was like the loving, love, yeah, in a loving and embrace. It's it like it's a joke poster, but they used it on a website on a news site. That's fantastic. I love stories like that. Um, but yeah, so getting back to Doctor Afra again, an important piece, and I love Kieran Gillen. The stuff that he's been doing has been fantastic. Um, I think the right person for this is a nice balance of humor. It's a character that you care about, despite the fact that really you shouldn't. Sure. You know, sure. In terms of like, I don't want to really care about this character. She's not a good person. Right. Um, so getting, uh, mixing all that in, I think you've got the right people to do it. Again, I love Kev Walker's art. Uh, as a big Star Wars fan, as someone who likes all the Star Wars books, this feels like a great addition to what's already there. We made it our pick of the week this week. Um, I think it's something like if you're a sci-fi, sci-fantasy fan, and you're not the biggest Star Wars fan, you'd still enjoy this book. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think it's, it I doesn't think it's rely of, heavily on a lot of these Star Wars tropes. Yeah, there's no force in it. You know, um, it may be mentioned at one point or two, but it really is just based on you know her being a quote-unquote archaeologist. Sure, uh, she's like a morally ambiguous Indiana Lara Jones or, or Indiana Jones or something along those lines. Yeah, where she's she's doing it for uh, fortune and glory, kid. Fortune yes, and glory. Uh, it quite literally expresses yes. that it, it's pretty much just about the money. Yeah, but also murders people just straight out. So um like a belloc if we were to give yeah. belloc a comic i think i think i put it uh i think i put on our, on our, our review for the instagram i said a cross between indiana jones and tote like take the two completely opposite characters and put them together belloc would be probably a better example i may have to edit that now if you actually get to see belloc as a badass archaeologist yeah. that's who, the movie they should make the sure. belloc prequel movie the belloc prequel movie where him you in the 1930s him and indiana jones just being badasses it's not even indiana jones just make the belloc movie just because you can you put anybody in that role no one's gonna care you put indiana, anybody in indiana jones just him, just like, him reading a newspaper indiana dr dr henry jones jr yeah. finds ancient artifacts oh, that jones yeah, i'm gonna get him getting in the newspapers so there's nothing you can possess that i could not take away see now that um why can't i remember the actor's name is playing young han solo oh yes uh aaron aiden no aaron something that guy young guy young guy young han solo they do a young Indiana Jones. Did they just use him? River Phoenix is dead, so they probably have. Well, to. no, but you use him because I would. I, you he's, know if he's young Han Solo, he's a younger version of Harrison Ford in the Star Wars universe. Just use him as the younger version of Indiana Jones. If, in the if, he, Jones if he can be Han Solo well enough in the Han Solo movie, I would not be opposed if they just said, "Hey, you want to be Indiana Jones as well?" We're gonna I'd do go, Indiana Jones in the late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, before, just do before Raiders. Yeah, just do another. You know, do in between Raiders or... and uh, Last Crusade. No, yeah, do it before. Get it before, before where he's more morally ambiguous. Well, also because it's, before Temple of Doom, you gotta, you gotta hit Temple of Doom because he already looks like he already, he already looks like Han Solo. He already looks like Harrison Ford in Temple of Doom. So you'd have to go before that. All right, we do before Temple. Yeah, it's of Doom. a tough thing because yes, he's he's an asshole in Temple of Doom. He is. Oh, he is. He's totally. There's a great article about uh, how Temple of Doom is 
a perfect prequel because it really shows the growth of him. It starts out as he he's not a very good person. And by the end, he's rescuing children. And we're going to upset you, Internet. I, I think me and Chris can both safely say the Temple of Doom is probably, for us, above Last Crusade. It is at this point, simply because the, the, the camp of Last Crusade, it takes it down a notch. Oh, yeah. I love well, the, the, the I relationship I love, but the camp, I, I can't watch it with the Messerschmitt going through the tunnel, and he's looking... Oh, you know, the it, cartoony. That, yeah, like the humor of shooting the, the the tail when Henry shoots the tail. That I found humorous. I'm like, this is you know, they got us. Like that was great. Yes, those type of pieces. And I'm not saying that that Last Crusade is bad, but it does get a little camping. I hate what they do to Marcus. I mean, Marcus is a, is a competent individual in Raiders and turns into a bumbling idiot by Last sure. Crusade for a joke. Um, oh, and then they, and then they have the joke where they uh, they cut his head off on the statue in uh, in yeah. Ta- uh, crystal skull, crystal skull. Well, and it's just like it, again uh, you know like you've turned him into a bumbling oh there goes marcus lost his marcus head lost his head again. Uh, okay all right. lost in his own museum yeah, which makes you wonder especially because when you hear stories about how much uh the people working on movies like crystal skull you know they had there was george's ideas for the movie things like nuking the refrigerator and when you look back, you go like, I wonder how much influence he did have on Last Crusade. Because it's certainly the most comedy-filled up until Crystal Skull. Well, as you pointed out with the Red Letter Media review, total tangent, by the way. Yeah. Um, by the point even Crystal Skull, or, uh, Last Crusade had come out, Spielberg was someone who had tempered that type of film that he was making. He right. wasn't making what ended up would be a hard PG-13 serious yeah, film. Yeah, he himself had changed. Yeah, he was changing, and the type of movie that he was making as an action-adventure movie would be much different than, say, Amistad or yeah. or Sindler's List or something along oh, yeah, the way. Even much very different from the original Raiders, which is yeah. very no-nonsense. Yeah, very no-nonsense. The, the, the humor is in the dialogue more so than the action um, for a lot of it. It's not campy. The pieces that are funny, I mean, you laugh at the, at the, the sword versus gunfight, but that works on every level. Sure. You could see that. And it's I mean, a total it's not, product of yeah, a mistake. It's it's a mistake. It's something that was just like done real Everybody quick. Everybody is sick. I don't want yeah. to fight him. But Can but but really, him? but leads to a great moment in in um, uh, probably the only moment that breaks out of the prequel. Although you can flip it, in which he doesn't have it. You know, he goes to get it versus the thuggy, gun. and he yeah. doesn't have it. You know, sort of like he knows he's always going to have his gun on him. Sure, from now sure. On. And it's always the it's, and it also shows a bit of his character that he's more than willing to just shoot someone. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I don't have time to he's fight Han Solo. you. I'll, yeah. shoot, I'll shoot first. I'll shoot before you you get a, a, a round off. But yes, Temple of Doom is a uh, such a great prequel, especially if you put the two together. If you put Temple and then Raiders, and you have a character in Indiana Jones at the beginning of Tem- of uh, Temple of Doom that is, I'm just trying to get this huge diamond. Yeah. I just want money. I don't care about the girl, but there's that little piece that you have to realize is that he's taken a street rat. Yeah. In short round and has taken care of him because he's not totally dead inside. He yeah. can do both. I can take care of this kid and I can get goes to the temple, gets the stones. All he has to do is walk out and he sees the kids and he yeah. throws the rock. And that's the piece where he's just like, I can walk away from this. I'm going to make the biggest mistake because I can't take out all these people. Right. And, turns out and throws the rock at the thuggy with the, with the whip and all hell breaks loose from there. Everything goes wrong from there. Saves the, but this is his. I got to save. It's his turning these point. Kids, they got to. When you see him at Raven's Bar, at Ravenwood's Bar, 
of Marion. Yeah. That speech is so different. Oh yeah, it means because it means so much more. He's just saying like, I've really screwed up. Yeah, I and changed. now I've I have to kind of, you know, I know I abandoned you. I know I hurt you. I hurt your father. Um, there's something in me that has to, like, watching those people, those pieces back to back. That speech is so much more important. Yeah, because of the way that he's changed in the in, in the prequel, a brilliant, prequel, of course, and it, it's, a great movie. And the minecart scene is amazing. Yeah, and it's mostly miniatures, yeah. and most people would never notice. Yes, I, I notice, but yes, you Dude. watch it on the yeah, it's 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 really. Good. I don't hate Class Crusade, but yeah, definitely, I've, I've notched it a lot of pieces down because of how much camp is in it. The motorcycle chase is amazing. Oh yeah, the I love the tank. The tank bit is great. I mean, there's there's cool humor in that too. Just you know, putting the rock in the thing. Uh, the gun shot that goes through all five of them, which is totally impossible, but whatever. Um, there's also a knight who's like 800 years old guarding the grail. So, spoiler alert. Um, they're great pieces to it, but yeah, it, it kind of takes a nod. I, I do like the the sensibility of, of the Temple of Doom that I think took too many hits just for the, the dinner scene. Sure, sure. And ripping it's, a dude's heart out and yeah, holding it's a movie it up that, on fire. I, it's a movie that is, I think, I think unfairly overlooked. A lot of people, yeah. like, oh, it's and they say too dark. It's just gross. And, and I, and I go, and it's like, really, is it too dark? And Raiders of the Lost Ark, you have, you know, the angels firing laser beams through people. And a guy's just going head through explode, people. I mean, and his head, the guy's head yeah. explodes and the other yeah, dude's yeah, face, yeah, melts. face melts. No, I mean, the whole thing's a, there's, there's so, dark pieces throughout. You know, there's, there's murder. There's, the poor monkey gets it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, just the little capuchin monkey, a little Nazi little, monkey, yeah. played by Frank Welker. When I was <laughs> really, yeah, it's wow. Frank Welker doing the, the doing the, voice? the monkey voices. Um, I still remember when I was a kid, I had no idea what dates were, and so I didn't. I was like, bad dates. I'm like, he's going on a bad date. Like, oh, what? No. Do you, what did he go to the wrong restaurant? Like, what's going on? Like, I didn't know that date was that was what that was. It wasn't until I was like in junior high, I'm like, oh, the date is the food, the poison. Got it. I figured it out. I was like, this what the makes hell so is much Sala more talking sense about? Now. Like, this makes no sense. The fun thing is watching Last Crusade. We watched Last Crusade in Spanish for a Spanish class when I was in high school. So it had subtitles in English. And you finally found out what the Germans were saying because they subtitled like, Oh, that's what I said. I can figure it out. I should know most of this. It's because, not fake German. Yeah. You know, it's real German. Um, yeah. Anyway, total aside. Goodbye, Dr. Afra. Yeah, uh, check it out. It's, it's really, really cool. Yeah, if you enjoy the Star Wars book, pick it up. If you don't enjoy the Star Wars book, pick it up. I think you'll fall in love I with those droids. Like it, yes. If you fell in love with BB-8, yeah. you'll the fall droids, in love with yeah. those droids. Think BB-8 with a chainsaw. Um, Who wants to set people on fire? Set people on fire. No, Very no, much no, a pyro, no. a pyro, a pyro droid. No BT human. Uh, was it uh, like uh, human combustion doesn't exist? Yeah, because so. they're they're trying to to uh, make sure that this character. It'll make it look like an human accident. spontaneous combustion. Doesn't human combustion exist. is not a real thing. Yeah, that, that was just that. That was like boom. I'm done. I'm I happy love that with this. coming in. This looks so good. It's yeah, pieces. Awesome. So book. awesome. Yeah, really, really good. So that is going to do it for us this week. Um, of course, we are a part of the Nerdables podcast family. You know, the Nerdable show every week. But this week, I don't know if he did one this week because I wasn't there. Uh, neither of us were there. Yeah. Um, Walking Dead cast. The Deadcast, something like that, and probably after our Rogue One review, we'll be doing a small Star Wars show, since most of our nerdable shows are dominated by Star Wars news. Anyway, we'll probably just do one talking about subjects and all that fun stuff. So, for my partner Sebastian, this is Chris, saying we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>